Welcome back to the Modern Mastery Podcast, where we help you optimize your human experience by deconstructing focus, one-person businesses, and lifestyle design. This is the Wednesday lifestyle design segment of the podcast with my good friend and business partner, Joey. On this segment, we answer your questions from Twitter, pick apart silly arguments we see on the internet, and discuss how to craft a focused, fulfilling, and high-energy lifestyle. If you are a growth-minded individual that has skills, interests, or passions, have tried to turn them into a source of income but struggle to make it sustainable and predictable, consider joining Modern Mastery HQ, where you can copy and paste our hundreds of processes, strategies, and systems into your one-person business while working four hours or less per day. We've packaged up the information from myself, a marketing consultant, and Joey, a performance consultant, into proven processes for starting and growing your business as a coach, freelancer, digital product creator, content creator, or online educator while becoming a laser-focused machine. We offer a seemingly outrageous $50,000 guarantee because we are that confident in our teachings. If you want to build a one-person business, design your perfect lifestyle, and live like you are supposed to, go to join.modernmastery.co slash podcast to get your first month for $5. Or if you want to skip all of the do-it-yourself stuff and join an intensive six-month program that guarantees business and personal success, we also have the Mastery Program. You can apply for the next cohort at join.modernmastery.co slash program. Links to both of those will be in the show notes. And last but not least, I have a few favors to ask that cost a whopping $0. So if you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe or follow. It's one button click away and it helps support the growth of this podcast. Two, leave a rating letting us know what you thought. Three, you can tag us at Modern Mastery on Twitter or at Modern Mastery HQ on Instagram with a link to this episode and some kind words or just some kind words. It always helps. And if you do all three, send us a DM and we have something special for you in return. So without further ado, let's dive right into this episode of the Modern Mastery podcast. Joey, the man... (laughs) What is up? Coming to you live from the other room. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. It's uh, It's been a good trip. It's cool to uh, be doing this. So I am currently sitting about six feet away from Dan right now in different rooms. But yeah, we're here. Almost a live podcast. Yeah, almost live. But the, the tech, tech logistics didn't work out. I... The camera would have died, uh, the mic, we weren't sure if it was going to work, so we're making do, we're staying consistent and getting the podcast out either way. But yesterday we went disc golfing, we've had barbecue three times, fire, Austin is all we thought it could be and more, and Dakota, wrongs to right, my current roommate Devin will be moving here. And so we will be that much closer to Joey. And it's like a $60 one-way flight in non-peak season. So we'll just be closer. I don't know. Lots of cool stuff to come. I've, well, I've met, like, we were supposed to meet a few other people from Twitter, but I've met uh, I met Rob Riker, who's cool. You can find him on Twitter, just Rob Riker. Uh, Michael Wishko was really cool. And yeah, there's just a lot of opportunity here, man. I, I feel like everyone's moving to Austin, but at the same time, like, why would you not? So I don't know. Joey, what are your thoughts on Austin? I know you're, I, I know we've talked about this before and you're dead set on Georgia, but has Austin swayed you a bit? Well, definitely for sure. So I'm a big fan of the South, as I've mentioned numerous times, especially because of the weather, the people are nice. So Austin's pretty cool. I could definitely see me having a second home here in Austin. I mean, it's so close. It's like a two-hour and ten-minute flight. So I'll definitely be back out here 
many times in the future. And I'll be out here in two months to help y'all move in. So, and yeah, I've had opportunities to talk to people as well. And it's just, people are nice. So it's been cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing here is everyone's so fucking nice. Like you just walk by them on the side of the road and they wave. They're like, Hey, good morning. It's like, good morning. I don't, I, I don't experience that much. So it's really cool to see. But uh, another thing, so before we dive into the main topic, I kind of want to talk about what we've been talking about this whole time. I feel like health is such a big part of not only this brand, even though it's not a main focus, it's such a big part of it because it's such a big part. It plays a role in everything that we do, right? It's it's constantly on our mind. It's a It's a constant decision we have to make and discern from good and bad especially when traveling it's like there is so much going on and in terms of food choices in terms of going to the gym in terms of getting your exercise in there's a lot of moving variables that can get destroyed when you get out of your normal routine so all i think we we did touch on this a bit last week but when i first got here there was that whole experimentation with alcohol and then I ended up eating too much and then I had to course correct. And uh, the past few days I've woken up um, and I did bring my scale. <laughs> it's over there. I still weighed myself every morning while I'm trying to likewise with Joey. Yeah. And uh, I've been I'm I've technically maintained my weight since I've gotten here. So that's a big, big, big win. Considering the first week we were here, I drank ate voodoo donuts which they were good but don't know if i can maintain those <laughs> or do that any I, i've learned a lot being here about like how to maintain weight and just different things as we're going along and so i'll go over like quickly what i did when i first got here the first thing we did is go to whole foods and at whole foods i got the things that because i wasn't able to cook either i could have cooked but uh, i didn't really have the luxury that I did back home to be able to cook and meal prep like grass-fed beef and all this stuff so it's like okay what what can I do here and so I set myself up with a solid base of bone broth uh so kettle and fire bone broth is just solid um one thing that I always stress on I've talked about this on Twitter a bit too but shrimp fucking shrimp man is like protein and it's actually pretty filling. So I go to Whole Foods and I was surprised when I got there because it was 30% off what I normally get because it's kind of expensive for the cooked and frozen shrimp. So that's the thing, cooked and frozen shrimp. And you keep them frozen and then you take out a certain amount and just let it thaw overnight. And then you just eat the shrimp cocktail style. And if you eat three servings of that, that's like 50 grams of protein. It's insane. So setting myself in the morning up with cottage cheese was another thing. So cottage cheese, that's like 28 grams of protein, two servings of bone broth. That's like 18, three servings of shrimp. And this isn't all at once, but that, that's like 80 grams of protein right there. Uh, protein shake if you need it. And then of course buying fruits and all, oh, I also had sardines. So I'm setting myself up with like a hundred, 120 gram protein base and then when I eat out I have a lot of room for those fats carbs and of course like trying to make good choices when I am going out to eat so it's so much easier to hit those protein targets lean protein targets good protein targets whole complete protein targets uh, and still go out and enjoy myself so like yesterday we went to the easy tiger or something and I yeah. had some fire-ass sourdough bread, turkey sandwich, and I've had that a few times. Turkey sandwich with sourdough bread, especially if it's from a bakery and it's like real sourdough bread, can't go wrong, man. So I've been enjoying that a lot. We've had barbecue a lot, so the lean brisket. Dude, you get a you get a half to three-quarter pounds of lean brisket, that's like 100 grams of protein. Like I was mm. over-protein on vacation, so those that are especially on instagram you fuckers need to like learn about protein or something because me i could hit 250 grams of protein easy on vacation fucking easily so 
that that's my main thing and then of course running five six days a week uh i got a week pass at two different places uh to go to the gym so going to the gym three days a week pretty easy maintained everything yeah and you had an interesting hack kind of a hack for uh the gym that we're going to be going to later today where you know a day pass was kind of expensive and then you couldn't get a week pass there so you wind up just signing up for the gym for a month and then canceling it which it wasn't really that expensive i think it's like 15 dollars for a day day pass versus 30 dollars for a month at the gym so if you're traveling you're going to be somewhere for four or five days a week whatever just go ahead and sign up for a month and cancel it it's not going to be that much because the day passes are so expensive at these places. Yeah. That's another thing I've realized because, um, like commercial gyms, especially it's like 20 to 50 bucks a month. Not fucking bad. Considering like when I first got here, I spent a hundred bucks on groceries. Like, I don't know. I feel like there's some, I don't know if cognitive dissonance is the word, but like when it comes to gym memberships, it's like, Oh, this is $20 a month or even MMHQ or something like that. It like it, it freaks people out because it's a recurring subscription. Yeah. When in reality it's like you what else are you going to do? It's like it's it's 50 bucks for a something that should be a huge pillar and priority in your life. And I mean same with MMHQ. It's like you 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 can either join and cancel at the gym or you can join MMHQ and cancel if you don't like the information or you can just take everything. It's like it, it's the same thing. Because if you enjoy it, why not? I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of we should make we should make a podcast about like money psychology and people's yeah. beliefs around that. Because the fucking platitudes where we had this moment with Devin, uh, my roommate, where it's like we were going over the platitudes where it seems so like simple and basic to us right now but it screams so much truth where it's like, oh, you'll go out and spend $100 on the weekend to get drunk and forget everything, but you won't spend 50 bucks for uh, being able to go to the gym for three days on vacation. And it's like, it's, it's so true. Like one stays with you your entire life. The other disappears within a weekend and you get nothing done and you make reverse progress. So it's, I don't know. Those tweets are basic to me at this point, but it stresses the importance of like shifting your mindset around money because th that's the other thing you have to take into account is like, if you're struggling to live on the money, then yeah, increasing your income has to come first, but so does smart spending. And then once you increase your income, you can start to become detached from it. And then it doesn't really matter. It's like, yeah, this, this goes towards my priorities. This goes towards investing. Then I have, whatever money to do whatever I want. And by that time, like it's not on your mind, it's not a stressor. It doesn't stress you out all the time. And it, it just kind of flows. It becomes less emotional. It's like money isn't emotional. It's just a static thing that is used to help you in whatever way you want it to. And most people use it emotionally to buy things that will fuck them up emotionally, like going out and drinking for a night and just wasting a ton of money. So I don't know, that's for another podcast topic, but let's transition into the main topic of this episode because I'm big fan of this. I've been writing about it for the next issue of the mastery letter, kind of, very similar. But uh, Joey had a tweet. Joey, I'll let you read the tweet, give your insights behind it, and we can discuss it. Cool. So I had a tweet uh, eight days ago that was, in psychology, there is a concept called the illusory truth effect, which means that when your brain hears something over and over, it starts believing that something is true. So feed your brain the message that will lead you to a better future. And just like it says, when you hear something over and over and over, whether it's internal, things that you're saying to yourself, or external, things other people are saying to you, media that you consume, stuff that you're reading, things like that, you're going to start believing it. So cult leaders, uh, politicians, people on the news, 
they all use this to great effect to manipulate and control other people. But we are actually doing that to ourselves, usually without even realizing it. So your self-talk, whether it's conscious or unconscious, affects your behavior. And you actually change yourself from within with the things that you're saying to yourself. So if you have a negative tinge into your self-talk most of the time, you're telling yourself, um, I'm stupid or I'm fat or I'm not good at this or no one likes me, things like that. Even if those things are objectively untrue, you're eventually going to start believing them. So that's why you need to be careful what you say to yourself, what you allow other people to say to you, but also be aware of the media that you're consuming. That's one of the many reasons why we talk so much about not consuming the news, because it's so negative and it starts programming you to believe that the world is a negative place. And once you start believing that, you stop going out into the world, you stop going on trips like these, and you just kind of withdraw into your room and don't go out. And that leads to a very unsatisfying, unfulfilling life. Yeah. 100%. I like to make the, oh man, I, I wrote a lot about this. And just to tie into like the philosophical or the spiritual aspect of things, there's the the dualistic mind or as, how, how would I explain this? So there's there's who you are and who you think you are, right? And who you think you are is a, it's a product of conditioning. Right. So who you are, like we can get very uh, universal here. Who you are is what you are doing right now. Right. If you're if you've ever read anything spiritual, you understand like the power of now being present, being in the moment, uh, like flow state, being at one with what you're doing. That is who you are. Right. It's who you are and what you are doing is not who you think you are and what you have done. Right. That that stood out to me. It may mean nothing to you, but that understanding of that alone made a lot of sense to me. So it's separating the being from the character. The being is who you are right now. It's the way that I thought about it this morning on my walk is like I'm walking by a building. Right. That building is going to stay there in two years from now. It's going to be there unless it got taken down. You are going to be here in two years from now, along with that building in like the same universal mesh or web or consciousness, whatever this is at that in, in that same moment, right? Unless you are destroyed or whatever, but still like the consciousness still remains there because of creation, destruction. And that's where the separation has to happen is you have to understand that the person you think you are is the character that you are playing based on your conditioning and the conditioning that you receive or understand or make sense of only exists in the past or the potential future. So the it, it's your identity is what I would say. It's your identity and what do you identify with? And for most people, the this character that you're playing or who you think you are and what you identify with is a process of cultural conditioning, external conditioning from other people and their negativity. And that's the thing. M most of the world is negative and most of your thoughts are negative as well because of this, because you have been conditioned through repetition of these thoughts, beliefs, things that have been projected on you. And now they have become a part of you, quote unquote. And the only way to reverse this effect is to understand it, become aware of it. As we always talk about awareness comes first. So become aware of it so you can work to reverse it. And the way that I like to see that reversal is through conscious conditioning. That's what I'm starting to call it. Conscious conditioning is internal because you're conscious of it. You're aware of it. Unconscious conditioning is cultural or external because it's not you that's in control. You are being programmed rather than you programming yourself for some form of positive potential future. So I have a little framework for this, but uh, 
Joe, do you have anything to say about what I just said? Well, that's an interesting perspective on it, though I would add to that or perhaps modify it slightly. We can be conscious of the external influences that other people have on us. For example, when I stopped drinking as much socially, I started noticing the cultural expectations of me to continue doing that as much as I was before. And that's when you start feeling that clash, that friction between what you want to do, these new actions that you want to do, and the societal, cultural expectations that have been there. So then you start becoming conscious of these unconscious cultural influences, and you get into this point, you get into this phase of discomfort because they don't align, and you can either push through that or you can just give in and go back to doing whatever culture expected of you. And then for the internal conditioning, I think at first we may be entirely unaware of that, but then we start realizing, man, I'm a really negative person. Like I keep telling myself, I can't talk to this girl or I can't run or I can't, Put, write good tweets or I can't communicate effectively. We start telling, we notice that we've been telling ourselves all these things. And then only by becoming conscious of that and realizing that these things, I want to say are wrong, but maybe they're not necessarily wrong. Like, especially with the cultural, cultural stuff, maybe that's not inherently wrong, but they may be wrong for us. And that's an important distinction is realizing that just because other people or you in the past are doing things a certain way, that doesn't mean that they're inherently bad. They're just not aligned with you. So that's why you have to be aware of yourself and your vision for your future self and the identity that you want to have, the goals you want to achieve. Be aware of all those things so that you can identify what's not aligned with you and what is aligned with you so that you can make better decisions. So ultimately, as we've said numerous times over the past few months, the big things that keep coming up are awareness, first off, and then metacognition. So thinking about your thinking. Whenever you have a thought, and you can practice this, it's a skill that you build. You start having this almost little space when you feel something, when you notice something happening unconsciously, you have this little space where you can pause and evaluate it. And ask yourself, is this true? Is this accurate? Where'd that come from? Why did I think that? Have have I noticed a trend of me becoming more negative and self-critical? Have I noticed a trend of me becoming more positive and self-supportive? You can start asking yourself these questions and it may feel, you know, like a little too much, but that's how you really start helping yourself change. That's how you really change the internal narrative by picking up on it, questioning it, and then guiding it. Because if you allow this stream of unconscious negativity to go without doing anything about it, then it's just going to compound. It's going to, it's going to get more negative. It's going to become a self-fulfilling prophecy where you believe that you can't talk to women, so you don't, or you try, but you already have that belief, so it changes your behavior. You come off forced and just kind of weird, right? So you start, you've got to start questioning these things and questioning these things starts with awareness. That's really ultimately what it all comes back to. Yeah. <laughs> you, you listed off the first two of the thing that I'm nice. writing. So I'll, I'll give a, a brief rundown <clears throat> like of perception because I feel like that is a incredibly important topic um, that needs to be understood and becoming aware of your perception. So perception in, and I know like a lot of people like spiritual gurus on YouTube like to have different definitions for perception. So in the way that I talk about perception, it's your worldview or how you interpret things. And I think of it as a lens. 
right? Like the, the lens that your character is viewing the world from. And so the, this cultural conditioning or the negative unconscious traits, beliefs, other things that you've taken on, they form this blur. They, they prevent you from seeing reality. And I remade a little graphic that I've seen online from this, but it's like, think of, think of a circle, right? There's a circle and that's where you are. And then there's a circle outside of that, which is like, well, there's multiple circles outside of that where it's like your judgments, uh, ideologies, biases, beliefs, uh, emotions, certain thoughts, and they prevent you from seeing reality for what it is, which it, it, it just is. It's like that it's that whole separation of character from being like every moment dies and you're you just have to see reality for what it is like a wall is a wall per the word that we've given it and we can dive deeper on like vibration and other shit but that's the thing is like you the lens you have for viewing the world it's kind of like how do i put it you interpret something as bad because you've been conditioned to interpret it as bad and that's automatic like that's an automatic reaction unconscious reaction and it goes unnoticed like this happens like possibly thousands of times per day right so that that's just a general understanding of perception is like how you view things when you don't need to view them that way and the way to kind of shift this is as joey said the first thing and this is difficult like this isn't just as easy as we're saying it's it's pretty fucking difficult to catch yourself doing these things but when a thought pops into your head or when you catch yourself and that's the thing you have to become aware so you can become aware of what you're saying so you can catch yourself so if you catch yourself like talking negatively to yourself, talking negatively to someone else, um, not seeing other people for what they are. You're seeing, you're perceiving the character that they are playing, right? It could be negative. That's not who they are in that actual moment. That's one reason why I hate cancel culture is because you're canceling like the old version of someone. You're canceling an image of someone or a character that they were at that time, their character at that time. And so the first thing you have to do when a thought pops into your head or you have some negative reaction or anything, right? Just, just something that isn't serving the person you want to become. You have to become aware of that. You have to pause and think about it. You have to stop and then question. So the whole metacognition, as Joey said, why am I thinking this way? Is it rational? Uh, is this true? Et cetera, et cetera. And um, one way that we always talk about doing this is through brain dump journaling, which is Joey's thing where it's just an incredible practice where you can write these out on paper, right? So you, you can either the one way that I would recommend going about this, because as you're going about your day-to-day -day actions, it can be very difficult to actually do this entire process as you're on the go when you're at work when you have to be doing things so have like a running notes in your phone somewhere create specific notes for it and that action alone will um, make it easier for you to catch yourself because it's on your mind now right and so when you catch yourself thinking negatively you write it down and then you can come back to it later in the day when you have time write it down in your journal and then you can kind of physically do this process of metacognition where you're quite literally writing down the question like why am i thinking this is this rational have i had this thought before what was the result of that was it something that i enjoyed did it serve me and then you can write down your answers to those as well. And this is a practice of self-awareness. You're just getting better and better at becoming more aware of your thoughts, beliefs, actions, everything, and whether or not they are aligned. And so when you do that, when you write things down, you objectify them. <laughs> so you, you understand that they are not a part of 
you, they are like these thoughts or anything else. They're an object. They, they hold no emotional charge when they're out there. They shouldn't hold an emotional charge. They hold the emotional charge because you're giving attention to it and the previous conditioning you've experienced and your life experiences leading up to this point give it that negative charge when it's just a separate entity it's not a part of you it's a thought that's going to be gone in five seconds if you don't give it that attention or that immediate reaction caused by the conditioning so you kind of write this down along with it where you, you this is a difficult process, but you, you just have to understand that it is a thought and it is not a part of this present moment and that it, if you want it to die along with that moment, you let it die. You let go, you surrender, you have faith, whatever uh, way you want to put this, right? And so now with these thoughts or other things that you've written down, you can start to reframe it. And this is where the transition happens where it goes from negative to positive. Some people can call this emotional like transmutation or other things like that. But there's a few reframes that you can go to go through. And I would suggest people study uh, like polarity or the law of polarity and how like each cause has its effect. Every negative has its opposing positive. And so one of these guilt to gratitude so reframing the feeling of guilt to gratitude is a very good one and the first time i heard this it was from jocko willink on some podcast where i don't know the exact details but he felt guilty for leaving his team while he was in the military and he's this big leadership dude right he just felt guilty because he had to go home and his team had to stay there and fight. And it was very easy for him to fall into that because he was supposed to be there, right? But if he would have written this down and understood that his feelings are an object and he couldn't have changed anything, he couldn't have controlled anything, then he can start to reframe it to gratitude because he's able to actually go home and he's able to see the positive side of this. And, um, I know this from experience and just from hearing other people is that like this is a difficult process like your mind isn't going to want to make this reframe at the start like you're going to have to battle for this with for a good amount of time it's not as simple as oh write this down and reframe it into something else this is going to keep coming back up and that's why i call it conscious conditioning or it's even just called conditioning in general because it's a repetitive process, right? It's like the gym where you go and you put in the repetitions and you condition yourself to build muscle or lose fat. But if you aren't conscious of it, if you're unconscious and you're not going to the gym, you're putting repetitions in, in the, on the other side of the spectrum, you're gaining weight and you're losing muscle, right? Unconsciously. So it's like the whole negative versus positive polarity thing but uh i'll go over the rest of this fairly quick but i want to touch on one other one that i feel like is very 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 big is the cope to curiosity reframe so being closed-minded so like cope cope in my eyes is like just reinforcing the beliefs you had so you can like stay in your position as being closed-minded to whatever opportunity presents itself right so on twitter there's a lot of people talking about online business and if you see one of those and you immediately think oh scam i could never do this etc etc then yeah you're never going to do it you're you're reinforcing the belief that you're not going to do it and therefore you're not going to do it right but reframing that to curiosity after you write this down and question whether or not oh is, is this actually a scam or can i actually not do this into curiosity which is like what if i tried this what if i did do this what would happen if i actually tried making this work for a year right i'd probably make some progress and me coping or being closed-minded to this entire thing is only going to keep me in the same position so it's either i make progress through curiosity and trying to pursue this and i learn some things or i stay the same and don't make any progress at all 
So even if you fail on the curiosity side of things, you're at least learning things and making progress. There's no downside to it. So that's the thing is like being closed-minded versus asking questions of like, hmm, could I actually do this? Uh, what is an online business instead of, oh, online business is a scam and all of this stuff. And then you dive down the rabbit hole, right? And that's how all successful people start out with all of this stuff regarding, regardless of online business. It goes for fitness, health, uh, relationships, etc. What if I did talk to this girl versus, oh, I can never talk to her, right? Cope versus curiosity. So big free, big reframe there. And okay, so I'll go through these. This is like a six step process. So the next one is characterize. So after that reframe, it's a, a, adopting that to serve you in the character that you want to play. And the way that I think of this, and this works for online business or anything as well, everything's interconnected, is to kind of consult with aspirational archetypes, right? So Jesus is one, regardless of your uh, religious beliefs or whatever pertaining to Jesus. It's like he was a good dude. He was a, the people look up to him. He was inspirational and had, he was a visionary. He had a grand vision for, uh, a big problem in the world that he wanted to solve and you you kind of like consult with them like okay what would Jesus's character do and how can I adopt the, how can I adopt those same traits and same goes for like when you're starting a personal brand or you're starting a business or other health things there are so many aspirational archetypes that you can look up to in the form of a personal brand like if you want to learn fitness it's like okay find a YouTube influencer that you vibe with and study him and uh, kind of adopt the traits that he has experiment and see what serves you and what actually brings your life progress a lot of people do this um, unconsciously or kind of by accident like when I was a kid I just went down the curiosity rabbit hole and now it's led here so that's one thing is just emulate and look up to people role models don't pedestalize them but like you treat them as aspirational archetypes. They are like people that you can pull inspiration from. And then the last thing is alignment. So aligning your actions and these new traits that you want to adopt with your vision, goals, priorities, everything else that we've talked about in the last podcast. And that's the thing, acting in accordance with the person you want to become, like who you are, versus who you want to consciously condition yourself to become and the things you want to accomplish and everything else in the future that you can visualize and pull that positive energy from rather than the negative energy of a stressful future or a debilitating past or and all of that fun stuff so that was a rant but joey what you what you got for me so a couple things that I was thinking about that would be good to call out. One, when I have people do this brain dumping exercise, it's done consistently. So it's done every single day, at least once, usually a bit before bed to kind of clear your mind so you can lay down and sleep. But I also advise people to use the same notebook. And the reason why is you can go back and read your older brain dumps and you can notice trends and changes, things that keep coming up, things that are getting better, things that are getting worse. And you will probably be surprised. You'll see interesting patterns that you weren't even aware of. You'll see, wow, I've been stuck on this problem for a long time, or I keep fixating on this certain idea, or I keep talking to myself negatively. And it's interesting to notice these things because then you realize that they're an even bigger factor than you originally thought that they were. So that may be a higher priority for you to work on. But then as you start working on reprogramming them, then you can start seeing that trend of, okay, that negative self-talk or whatever your problem may be is getting better. I'm starting to speak to myself more confidently. I'm starting to get more aspirational. I'm starting to believe in my potential more, things like that. But then the other thing I feel like would be interesting to call out is 
sometimes your negative self-talk might be accurate. You know, I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea just because you, we're, we're not saying that your negative observations or negative self-talk are necessarily wrong. It, it's just, it's more about coming at things from a constructive perspective and talking about them constructively. Like Dan used the example of seeing someone on Twitter talk about building an online business. Your initial reaction may be something along the lines of, well, I don't know how to do that. And then from there, it could go into, well, this seems like a scam or I'll never be able to do that or something along those lines. Well, maybe part of that, maybe there's some truth in there. So there's another aspect of this whole evaluation process is looking at the truth that's contained in this statement and and thinking about, okay, well, maybe I don't know how to build an online business. Do I want to? How would I go about doing that? Maybe I am overweight and unhealthy. Okay, well, how do I go about fixing that problem? Maybe I don't know how to talk to women or maybe I'm intimidated by women and I don't, or maybe I feel like talking to a girl at a bar would put me in an awkward situation. Whatever the case may be, there is likely some truth or an opportunity for you to improve contained in these negative statements. But the trick is to get to the heart of that, heart of this negativity and uncover what it is, which is why we keep getting back to this concept of thinking about your thoughts and then asking yourself these questions of, why am I thinking this way? What can I do about this? How can I improve? And then as you start strengthening your weaknesses, uh, it's not a great way to say that, but as you start working on these things that you feel like you're not good at, then that will also cause your self-talk to change because you'll become more confident. I think there's a common misconception especially in the online business world and the content creation world where people think that they need to be ready before they start. They think that they need confidence before they begin working on something when actually that's completely reversed. Competence causes confidence. So as you get better at something, you become more confident. So it's not until you actually start taking action and growing your competence, getting better at something, it's not until then that you start becoming more confident because you can say, okay, I've ate better on vacation. I've gone to the gym a couple times. I've gone disc golfing and didn't lose a disc. I went and flirted with a girl at the bowling alley the other day and I didn't get laughed at or arrested or anything like that. You know, you start growing your skills, but you also start growing your pile of experiences where you can look back and say, okay, I've had these successes or I've had these not failures, these neutral events that I've been able to learn from, but these, these experiences have also proved that I'm getting better. You know, I have knowledge. I have things that I've learned from these experiences as well that I can use in the future. And that helps with the example of reframing failure to success, reframing cope to curiosity, things like that, where you start finding the lessons in these failures and use those to help you achieve success in the future. Yeah. I like everything you said there. And one thing that stuck out to me, because I like to question these things, right? I've been a big questioner of the whole competence equals confidence thing for a long time. Mm -hmm. I, I see merit in that, but the, how do I put this? So the problem per most like Zen Buddhism, Alan Watts, really like any form of philosophical thing, they, they talk about thoughts being the main problem, right? That That's what causes the human condition is thoughts because nothing else can, they don't have thought, like they can't think their way through things and cause these problems for themselves, right? They can't, like a lack of confidence is created by thought and creating that lack, lack of confidence for yourself. Now, I'm not saying that, uh, like, 
you, you can't be, how do I put this? Like if you aren't competent, then you, you, you do the things that like make you competent, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be confident in your current ability. Right? So confidence to me is a matter of perception and perspective and a lack of thought or attachment of emotion to a specific action that you are trying to be confident about, right? Like a, a dog isn't afraid to go up and sniff someone's butt. And I would argue that that is per our human label confidence, right? So it's like, yeah, you have to, <laughs> you have to operate within, uh, like some form of cultural expectations with this stuff. In the end, it doesn't really matter, but like you have to kind of do your duty, play your character. But at the same time, like if you are good at managing your thoughts and emotions, the confidence kind of springs from there. And I do agree that like, yes, confidence will help. I mean, competence will help you do that because you are much better at doing that. So there definitely is a correlation between competence and confidence. But it kind of like grinds my gears when people post on Twitter like, oh, competence equals confidence. So it's like cause and effect when in reality, reality, like taking it back to the root, it's just a matter of the thoughts and emotions attached to whatever action you are taking at that time. Like if you had no negative thoughts or emotions as you were, let's say, speaking to a female then I would argue that you would just naturally be confident. Like one of my main arguments in the book that I'm trying to make and that I think most people haven't made yet is that like there aren't any positive emotions or actions, right? Because per the, the thing that sparked like this whole rabbit hole for me was learning that like the Latin root of emotion is like emotion and it quite literally means distraction or disturbance. So like our natural state without thoughts or without interpretation or without concepts or labels or trying to intellectualize things, our, our natural state is to put off these positive things or these things that are closer to truth, like whatever it may be, love, confidence, all of these things that we associate with being positive feelings or emotions, those are naturally there once you strip away the distractions or, or disturbances that have been caused by this negative cultural conditioning or adding on to what is already there. It's like how some spiritual teachers say, like, oh, you already have the answer within you or you're... Like you're already happy. It's just been masked by something else. And that's the thing. I truly do think happiness is a result of stripping away the negative that has been caused by thoughts being energized through whatever negative emotional reaction you have towards those thoughts, et cetera, et cetera. And that's why mindfulness and meditation is so big. But I feel like people are kind of dancing around like especially people on social media, they're dancing around the root. The root is thoughts and being able to manage and um, detach from those because they're fleeting, right? As I said earlier, like separating the being from the character that you're playing. Thoughts are related to the character that you're playing and the character that exists on whatever temporal plane that you can think of it in, where your being right now, regardless of thought, regardless of past or potential emotion you're just there you are like if you're in your head right now you are not in the now if that makes sense like you are not present right so if you were truly present then that's when confidence love happiness reveals itself does that make sense yeah. So what I would say, going back to the confidence and confidence, competence and confidence thing is, so I would suggest people separate confidence in your competence, confidence in your skills, 
what you currently have, what you're currently good at versus confidence in yourself and confidence in your ability to learn. I think that perspective on these, like these two areas would help a lot. So for me, I have pretty much always taken the approach of when I'm in a new situation or when I'm struggling with something, I don't know how to do that yet, or I'm bad at this at the moment, but I have faith in myself. I have confidence in myself that I'll be able to learn. So I ask a lot of questions. I Google a lot of stuff. I watch others and I learn how to do it. And then I become confident in my competence, confident in my skills. So you can go into a situation like creating content or starting a business or talking to women, losing weight, whatever the case may be, you can go into a situation not feeling like you are competent, not feeling like you have the skills, but you can still go into those situations confidently because you have faith in yourself and your ability to learn. And the only way you're going to learn is either by watching others or talking to others or actually putting yourself out there and trying to do these things and then learning from your inevitable missteps, mistakes, and failures. When you actually take action, you start learning and then your competence increases as well. But just because you don't have any competence yet, you don't have the skills, you're bad at something, you're unhealthy, you don't know how to talk to people, that doesn't mean that you can't approach a situation that you're bad at confidently because you are confident in your ability to learn from your failures, to bounce back from failures, and to try again. If you're confident in those areas, then you can still approach business, content creation, talking to girls, whatever. You can approach these situations strong because you're st confident in yourself your ability to learn, but also yourself overall. Your lack of skills in one area does not define you. Another mistake that I see in online business and in content creation is people say, oh, I'm bad at this. And they let that define them. They, they attach their self-worth overall to their worst trait or their failures in this one area or their lack of competence in this one area. And it also comes through when they inevitably get criticism or negative feedback, even if it's constructive. They feel like that's an attack on themselves because their self-worth is so intensely tied to that thing that's being criticized. So if you separate that, if you say, my results as an entrepreneur or my content that I've posted over the past month or whatever on Twitter, that's separate from my self-worth overall as a person, then that greatly reduces the sting of failure, of criticism, of people just talking shit to you, of you talking to a girl and her just like leaving or giving you a weird look or whatever the case may be you separate those aspects of yourself from your overall self so that when those aspects are criticized or don't go as well as you hoped, it doesn't make you feel worse overall. Yeah, that's good. I, my mind is spinning. Like, I, I, I don't know. I really like talking about this stuff. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's crazy how all of this stuff, like, transfers over. Like, it, I don't know. It's just crazy to me how much content can be created out of, like, trying to understand and solve these problems and just, like, talk people through things. I don't know it's very interesting but that that's the thing that's the that's the entire journey we're on and that's the lessons that i mean passed down the i always like to say that the brain is the most complex object in the known universe so if us being able to talk about it improve it and explain it if it was simple 
then we wouldn't have the capabilities that we have. The brain's complexity enables us to be complex people. Yeah. I like that. And it kind of brings me back to one thing that I like heard this morning where I, I can't really articulate it yet, but the whole thing of like how the human brain or humans in general, like they find security in being able to describe or understand things. So I guess that's what I'll leave my side of talking this on is like, not everything has to be understood or explained, right? That's just your mind trying to intellectualize it. And it's just causing more problems because of thoughts and emotions and everything that you have as a human that a lot of other beings or entities don't. So per, I think it's Taoism or something that started to make this connection where uh, you, like some things just can't be understood through words they have to be experienced and what really blows my mind and what has been made very apparent to me through content creation is how certain messages don't resonate with certain people and that's because of the things they've experienced or have not experienced yet on a personal level regardless of how you would put it into words right like I could string together <laughs> This is a bad example, but like I could just say goo goo gaga, bee boo bop on Twitter, and I guarantee like 10 people would like it. And those 10 people that like it, I know I have a similar mind to them and they'll understand it. Not, not mm -hmm. like that it means anything, but they'll understand the experience that made me want to do that. It, it's really weird. And it's based on like that person's level of awareness or experience. Like some words just don't make sense a, a string of words don't make sense to some people because they have not experienced it yet and it only makes sense to the person that is saying it because they have experienced it and it's like they they mention how sometimes you just have a connection with someone and like nothing has to be said is because it can't be explained through words like there is some form of maybe not subconscious communication but uh, I don't know. It's it blows my mind. <laughs> well, you know, I like to take a scientific and engineering approach to things. That's just the way that I think. It's one of the reasons why we get along so well, and why our conversations always go so well because we go at things from different perspectives. That being said, I am open-minded, right, and that's one of the reasons why we're able to have these conversations because I'm not going to be like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Science can explain anything if we work hard enough and maybe eventually it could, maybe, I don't know. We don't know yet, but the thing is we have to be open-minded because science has not yet explained everything. And when I say science, for those who aren't clear, I'm talking about the scientific method. That is the heart of science is the scientific method. But there are many things that we talk about that Dan studies and talks about that science simply cannot explain yet. But that doesn't mean we can't be open-minded and accept that some of these experiences and these phenomena exist. And it also doesn't mean that we can't utilize them and use them to enrich our own lives and the lives of others. So for my fellow scientific and engineering thinking people out there, being open-minded and being able to consider something without automatically either accepting it or invalidating it is a very important skill to have. Because if you're closed-minded, you're just not going to get very far. You're not going to get as far as you could, I'll say. Yeah. That's the beauty of like the online world to me or where things are going in terms of decentralization. I saw someone posting, a, they posted a thread yesterday about how like a lot of academia is going to be replaced by like solo creators or just other quote unquote decentralized uh, like people. Education is going to shift 
majorly, which is going to spark a lot of problems, but at the same time going to spark a lot of solutions for the open-minded. And that's one thing that I'm looking forward to because the, how do I put this? The it's, it's so in, in like, if you are trying to get, I don't know if accredited is the word or like have some form of merit or, uh, trust and honorability behind your name, especially in science, if, if you're open-minded to these things that can't be explained, and I don't know this through experience, I know this through reading, it's like you can easily be labeled as like mystic or something else that could dampen your reputation. When And, and likewise for the other thing, it's like mystics uh, that bank hard on the scientific literature, so to say, like aren't considered mystics but like it's weird it's just, it's just labels and words but that's right. one thing that i'm looking forward to is there's going to be a, a mix like everyone is going to be going off of experience and the things that they enjoy doing whether it be scientific uh experimentation with that like there's just going to be a crazy burst in my opinion of like thoughts ideas and just ways of understanding different things because there's going to be so much more effort put into those areas and that's one thing i'm big on and is why i tell everyone to start a personal brand or online business or uh, become a creator or just start putting your thoughts out there etc cetera, etc cetera, because it's it's just great like it's it's a, like you can do anything you can quite literally do anything and get paid for it if you learn how to write speak market and sell that's it Everything a else quick thing like... I want to say about the labels, I think you're exactly right. So I suggest my intuition is telling me that these labels are simply labels for a way of thinking and a way of approaching problems. So whether you're spiritual or scientific, it's a way, it's the way that you approach a problem, right? But what if you strive to be flexible. So forget the labels and forget your tribes to an extent. What if you go beyond the labels and be flexible in your thinking and be flexible in your approach so that when you come across something that can't be explained or utilized or experienced with one method of thinking and one approach, then you can switch to a different approach and a different way of thinking and be able to tap into that and utilize it. So again, being open-minded and not always sticking to your way of going about things just because that's the way that you've always done it. And that's the way that the thought leaders you look up to are doing it and the way that your tribe is expecting you to do it. That's what I would like to see. I actually hadn't heard that. It's pretty interesting about the Web3 and de decentralization. But that's what I would like to see is people being flexible and be able, being willing to go at things from different perspectives because that's how we're going to collectively make progress is having these different perspectives. Because if you basically stay in your mental lane, you're only going to be able to access knowledge or experiences or phenomena that are accessible from that sphere. But if you're able to switch into a different mode, then you can tap into new things. I mean, you have to be, you have to at least be able to have conversations like these where you are able to talk to people in different modes of thinking, right? And unfortunately, speaking from the acad academic side, I know this all too well, unfortunately, a lot of those people are close-minded and they're not willing to give a spiritual person the time of day and so we don't have these as many of these conversations as we could and therefore we don't progress our knowledge and understanding as far as we could 100 percent. that's a good way to end it man and we have like 30 minutes to get packed and get out of here so <laughs> let's <laughs> let's end it up joey 
Uh, thanks for being here, I guess. I'll see you in five seconds. seconds. Everyone else, uh, thank you for listening. We will see you in the next one. Peace. See y'all. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of the Modern Mastery Podcast. I have a few favors to ask you. For a whopping $0, you can support this podcast by following, rating, and subscribing on whichever platform you are listening on. For an additional $0, you can share this podcast and tag us at Modern Mastery on Twitter or at Modern Mastery HQ on Instagram. This helps the Modern Mastery community grow and allows me to bring you top-tier guests to fuel your hunger for wisdom. It costs $0, but it does cost you your time, and we understand how valuable that can be. Lastly, if you are trying to build a one-person business as a content creator, coach, freelancer, digital product creator, or online educator, consider joining Modern Mastery HQ that has hundreds of proven processes, strategies, and systems that you can copy and paste into your life and business to become a highly paid, free, and fulfilled individual. Go to join.modernmastery.co slash podcast to get your first month for $5 and gain instant access to four beginner legacy courses, hundreds of trainings and strategies, and a community of growth-minded individuals because, quite frankly, your friends and family just don't understand this kind of stuff. With that, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Modern Mastery Podcast, and I'll see you in the next one.